Reverend Linda White, who is a member of this church, called me this morning from Selma. Actually, they were getting on the buses to go. She said there were 500 UU, I think mostly ministers, but 500 UU people on nine buses heading to Selma. She wanted to call (laughs) and let us know that she was going to be there, along with Reverend Mary Moore, who is also a member of this church. And um, they wanted us to know that they're going to be there. And Linda said she's wearing the stole that we gave her at her ordination, that our church would be represented at the march today. So I pass that message of goodwill on to you. I know most of you know Reverend Linda White because she's been a member here so many years. I don't know if as many of you know Mary Moore because she's a Unitarian Universalist minister and she is an interim minister. That means she goes around for short periods of time to help churches in transition. So she's off and off spending her time somewhere else. But she says this is her home church. And when she's in town, she's always here with us. So she's also a committed member of this church. So they're there this this day along with thousands and thousands of other people to commemorate this historic weekend. If you haven't seen the movie Selma, then I really want to encourage you to go see that movie because it it really tells the story. It's great to see the story portrayed on screen and to see the images of things that actually happened. Of course, it's mostly actors, but they do it very well. And they're just so dedicated. And so you get to know that story. It's a story we all should know. Dr. King actually had just received the Nobel Peace Prize just a couple months before this took place. And he had decided that he needed some way to show the world what was happening. And so when they were planning this march, that was part of what was on the mind of the planners was how can we find a spot and do a kind of demonstration that would really show the country and the world what was going on with uh, segregation and Jim Crow. And there was another thing on their mind too as they planned this march was that a young man named Jimmy Lee Jackson had been killed just prior to this. Uh, And so they wanted to do something in response to that and in memory of him. And Jimmy Lee Jackson, by the way, is a young, was a young black man who was killed in the civil rights struggle who does not get the same press as other people. And that has been a sore spot for, for African Americans. And I just want to let you know that that's part of the story too. That Jimmy Lee Jackson didn't get the national recognition. The president did not call his family. Uh, none of that happened as happened in some of the other cases. So that's part of the story that we all need to know. Martin Luther King and his planners chose Selma partly because they knew it was kind of a hard-hearted place. And the sheriff of Selma was really well known for being um, a mean dude. And so they thought that would be an excellent place to go. 
Because this is how the theory of nonviolence works. You need to find a situation. You don't want to just send people out to get beat up. That's not the purpose of nonviolent demonstration. The purpose is to create uh, a moment where people can see what's going on. That's the idea. And to uh, show the world what needs to be done. And so they picked Selma. And so on March 7th, 1965, which is 50 years ago yesterday, some of you may have seen the, the commemoration yesterday with uh, the president and so forth. The other gentleman who spoke yesterday, Congressman John Lewis, was a young man at that time who was a leader of an organization called SNCC, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, and he led off this march across the bridge. There were 600 people who went that day trying to get across the Edmund Pettus Bridge, which is just outside of Selma, leading to Montgomery. Dr. King was not present that day, interestingly enough, because he was in his home church in Atlanta, and he had sort of um, tortured himself over this decision, but there was something going on in his church, and he felt he was the pastor. I understand that feeling, and he needed to be at his home church, so he was not in Selma on March 7th. So the 600 people started out across the bridge, led by John Lewis, who's now in the United States Congress. And as the marchers started across the bridge, they were ruthlessly attacked by the state police. And if you watch the movie, they reenact this event in, in real detail. Um, the meditation reading that I did today by Dr. King gives us some idea of the intense violence of the attack. It was really serious. The marchers were savagely beaten. And John Lewis, who is now such a well-known person in American political society, was beaten so badly that he nearly died. And fortunately, he did not. Even women and children were violently attacked. And the pictures were broadcast all over the world. That march. There had been other pictures and other marches, but this was a moment in history. And so these videos of people being beaten on this bridge without resisting at all and without fighting back at all were broadcast everywhere and they changed the consciousness of the country and indeed of the whole world. It really marked a moment in history when people's minds were changed. And then they saw in a way that no one could avoid seeing that there was a problem and it was a big problem. It was not a trivial little thing that was gonna be fixed, you know, just by giving a couple of good speeches or a couple of good sermons. It was a serious, deep, painful, hurtful problem. And people saw that. On the next day, 50 years ago, today, Dr. King issued the call for the clergy to come down. That's what I read for you. And he asked the clergy to come down and walk with him across that bridge. That call went to, among other people, went to all religious leaders all over the country, including the president of the Unitarian Universalist Association, Dana Greeley, 
who forwarded it to all the congregations across the country. I have read that 200 Unitarian Universalist ministers answered the call. One of them was the Reverend Fred Lachaine, who was the minister of this church in 1965. Now I have been told that not everyone in the church wanted Reverend Lachaine to go. And there was discussion about this on the church board. I've got my sources. There were certain people on the board that did not want Fred to go and others that were encouraging or at least accepting. And so there was a little bit of tension there and there was a board president at that time who I assume was about 30 years old, but I'm not exactly sure. So young board president who basically stepped in and said to Reverend Lachaine, if this is something you need to do, you should go. And I will take the responsibility for it. That board president is sitting in our congregation this morning. Would you please stand, Henry? Henry Sinclair was the board president. Henry, you made a good decision, and I thank you for it, because I know that could have been a difficult moment. I wish I could be in Alabama this weekend too, but the conference that Linda and Mary are on filled up quickly, and you know someone needs to be here today to tell this story and to give the message, so I feel good about that. I am so glad that Mary and Linda are there to represent our church in this historic moment. In the movie, you see how Dr. King delayed the march until the proper permits could be obtained. There's a really dramatic scene where they start out across the bridge and then King and his um, associates felt they did not have the permits the first time they went across. And King and his associates felt that they might be going into a trap where a whole bunch more people were going to get beat up, and they decided not to, not to cross. And then later they got the permit from the local judge and then crossed the bridge uh, a number of days later with a huge entourage of people of all faiths. People of all faiths and no faith. Just faith in crossing the bridge. That's enough faith right there. It came from all parts of the country and all walks of life, all faith traditions. And they went together across the bridge and marched to Montgomery over a period of days. As Amy said, it was 54 miles from Selma to Montgomery. That's not an afternoon walk. And they went together. When they got to Montgomery, they marched right up to the state capitol. I've been there actually, and there's one of those capitol buildings, you know, with lots of steps leading up, and King uh, was up on the landing at the top of the steps and gave one of the most famous speeches of his life. And you may recognize the refrain that he used in that 
speech. How long will it be, he said. How long will it be? As if he was addressing the entire world. And then he would reply, not long. It won't be long. And that was the refrain of that famous speech. Four days after that historic speech on March 21st, a Unitarian Universalist layperson named Viola Liuzzo was driving some of the marchers to the airport. They were, you know, going back to their hometowns and so forth. And she was driving people out to the airport and on the way back from one of her trips to the airport, four men in a car drove up beside their car and shot her to death. Viola Liuzzo is the name of that person. She was a UU layperson from Detroit, Michigan. She had come down to help organize and do whatever needed to be done, and then she was one of the marchers. They were identified as four members of the Ku Klux Klan. It turns out that one of them was an FBI informant. And so that complicated the waters considerably. The three Klan members were not convicted, and the FBI informant was given a new identity and he testified, was given a new identity and sort of disappeared. But the FBI uh, made an effort to discredit Viola Liuzzo because of their involvement and not wanting to look bad. And so there were various accusations made against her. Uh, I won't go into that, but you can Google her name and you can read, you know, same thing I can read. None of the accusations they made of against her were ever proved. As a matter of fact, they were disproved, but it was a, a disinformation campaign. That's one figure I want you to know about. Uh, three days after the first march, the Bloody Sunday, James Reeb a Unitarian Universalist minister who had also come down at the same time Fred Lashane came down to march was with two other Unitarian Universalist ministers and they had dinner together in this small little restaurant which was a, one of the integrated restaurants in the area. And after dinner they were walking down the street and they were approached by a number of men in a threatening way. Uh, there's a wonderful description about this uh, from one of the other ministers named Clark Olson. I know Dick McDonald has sent this out, but uh, uh, I'll try to get you all the reference so you can listen to this account by one of, the, one of the other ministers. Anyway, they came up and attacked these three Unitarian Universalist ministers with clubs, and James Reed took a hit directly to his head with a club and fell down and within a few minutes lost consciousness and never regained consciousness and died in the hospital. Reverend James Reeb is his name. There's now a church, a UU church named after him in Madison, Wisconsin. 
His death was broadcast all over the world as well. As a matter of fact, if you listen to Lyndon Johnson's speech to the Congress about the voting rights bill, he refers to James Reeb. And President Obama also referred to him yesterday. Not by name, but he was talking about different events and he talked about the death of a Unitarian minister. That was part of that commemoration yesterday. So his death was also an event that changed people's awareness and changed their minds about what was going on. So those are some of the pieces of the history. A history that's being celebrated this weekend in a small town in Alabama. I want to mention Art Greenberg this morning too, by the way. Art was not in Selma, but he did go down as a young lawyer to uh, help the Freedom Riders and keep people out of jails. Another member of our church whose memory I want to lift up this morning. The Voting Rights Act was passed. Johnson, after Selma, Johnson went to Congress, made this impassioned speech, and the Voting Rights Act was passed in 1965 due to this, these events. The Voting Rights Act, by the way, is in trouble at the moment, but in 1965, it was an enormous accomplishment, just enormous. So, that's some of the history. It's far more complex, of course, but those are some of the pieces. This past week, the Justice Department issued its report on the recent events that occurred in Ferguson, Missouri, last summer. As expected, they did not decide to prosecute Darren Wilson, the police officer involved. As, as Justin Glau, a freelance reporter who was in Ferguson and spoke at our Stop the Hate vigil a couple weeks ago put it, we will probably never know exactly what happened in that moment. There's no clear and conclusive story that can be documented beyond any doubt about that moment. But what we do know is that the Justice Department confirmed that there is a clear pattern of racial profiling and racial discrimination in policing in Ferguson, Missouri. A clear pattern. There are distinct patterns of bias in who gets stopped, who gets searched, who gets arrested, who gets beaten. There are ridiculous scams involving parking tickets and other traffic violations that end up costing hundreds and thousands of dollars sometimes. And this stuff is all over the internet, by the way. Just go Google Ferguson police parking tickets or anything like that will get you into a lot of information about how those uh, games take place. There are fees and fines added to the tickets that keep people trapped in unjustified financial difficulties that are clearly there to make money for the police department and are, according to the Department of Justice, applied disproportionately to people of color. In short, the administration of justice is, I'm not making this up. I, this, I'm not making this up. Just, you can just go read the data. Just go look at the data. There's something powerful about data. It's hard to argue with it. 
What the data says is that the administration of justice is racially biased in Ferguson, Missouri. And you know, that's why the people were so angry. Regardless of what happened in that moment, there's just years and years and years of racial bias reflected. We would be very naive to think that Ferguson is the only town in America where this is true. And I do not think it's true everywhere, but it's true in lots of places. And you can study that if you want to take some time and look at that issue. I encourage you to do that. The reality is that even after Selma, even after I have a dream and a Nobel Peace Prize and the passage of the Civil Rights Act and the passage of the Voting Rights Act, we as a country are still mired in a racially biased culture. I just don't know how you can come to any other conclusion. It's just, it's true. It manifests in many ways, but the criminal justice system is surely one of the most egregious. Today is a day of historic observance, of thinking about heroes of the past, of honoring great souls who have come before us and shown us the way, and some of whom paid for that with their lives. It is right and good for us to do these words and moments of honor. But as another one of our former ministers wrote, always it is easier to pay homage to the prophets than to heed the direction of their vision. It's a lot easier to praise. It's, you know, you can do that. That's not that hard to do, to say how wonderful somebody was how much we're grateful. But it's harder to go out and do the work that they said needed to be done. As the call came from Dr. King on this day, 50 years ago, so also the call comes to us in our time. The issues are not quite as blatant today as they were in 1965. But they are there for us to see. The buzz is growing. You can hear it all over the media. Michelle Alexander is one voice. John Lewis is another. Harry Belafonte is another. And I'm only mentioning those who have spoken in Peoria over the last 12 months. Those three powerful voices that have all told us what's happening. Everywhere we see evidence of a sharpened awareness of a need for a national consciousness raising and reform. It is just so clear that we need to do that. From policing techniques to prosecuting and sentencing, from drug laws that are totally obsolete and really harmful to our culture, to voting rights laws, which are, at this moment, there are dozens of laws that have been passed or in process to lessen voting rights in this country. From equal education to job opportunities, we are, as a people, still searching for that land of opportunity and equality 
that is the American dream. That's the dream everybody wants. There's no disagreement about that, but we haven't found it yet. Even 50 years after Selma, we are still not there yet. If we want to be of use in making the dream real, I believe we need to be able to move on multiple fronts simultaneously. We need to be ready, we need to be awake, we need to be paying attention, and ready to do different things in different situations. We need to think about who we vote for. We need to think about who we send money to. We need to become more informed about mass incarceration. We need to know the numbers. We need to be ready to march sometimes. We need to stand up and be counted. We need to be mentors to young people. We need to write letters to the editor. We need to read some books that will explain it to us. We need to belong to and support communities that are on the right side of history. We need to sing songs that lift our spirits. We need to pray if we are praying people and we need to meditate so that we ourselves become less violent. We need to be multitasking, justice-seeking, compassion-giving, ever-reaching out, connected, caring, involved messengers of a new world. It won't always work. Sometimes it won't work. But this journey is the best place to be. It is not only the right thing to do, but amazingly enough, it leads also to the most satisfaction. We are all on the bridge today. We are all on the bridge. Let us stay centered, remember our purpose, and together cross over. <laughs>